in that song, it'd sound like you walked into a Broadway musical, wouldn't it? There's other songs like that, and it's just great when you guys sing it and you're all in. Oh, it's just wonderful. It's wonderful. It's a good morning to be here. You know, as I said before, I wanted to take a moment to pray for our week and uh, our children's workers and also those kids who are going to be joining us. And by the way, I love these events because that means I get to preach in a t-shirt of the week. So just get ready because whatever event we have and it has a t-shirt, I'm going to be wearing it. Um, You know, these kids are coming and they have no idea what they're in for. (laughs) I would also say the workers have no idea what they're in for either. But you know what? You know, these kids are going to get an opportunity to uh, make connections with people that they may or may not have met. Our workers are going to be able to look at these children and they're going to be able to give them love, even if they deserve it or if they don't. Some of these kids are going to be acting up all week. They're going to be difficult. It's going to be, you know, irritating. But you know what? These workers... We're going to be able to show them love that some of them may have never felt before. We get an opportunity for that. So together, let's pray for them. Let's pray for this week and that God shows up in the lives of these children and that he goes with them as they take them back to their families. Let's pray for them. Our Heavenly Father, thank you so much for people who are willing to give of their week to serve children. Lord, thank you for putting it into the heart of this church family to be, to be a place where we value kids. We value families. Thanks for our workers, Lord. Thanks for our, our children's minister. Thanks for, for those people who help her throughout the week. Lord, thank you for allowing us the opportunity, the space, the financial resources to be able to put on such a week to where we can pour the love of God into the lives of people. So Lord, thank you. We pray that you would work in powerful ways. That it would not just be a fun time where we can sing and be goofy, but that this would be a week that would fundamentally shape the lives of children in and throughout this city. Thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so today we continue our conversation on the mess of mercy. Now, if you remember, by the way, if you have not memorized this text, hopefully by the end of this you will. So let's look at it one more time. It's Exodus 34, chapter 6, and I want us to all read this together, all right? This is what it says, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. It just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? We know from this passage, God is compassionate. We spoke about that last week. We also remember and see that He is gracious. Now there's a lot of definitions thrown around these days for the word grace. In some instances, grace is seen as a, as a quiet elegance. Yeah? In some instances, grace is seen as forgiveness or lenience. How many of you have been thankful for grace periods? Students, do they have grace periods still? They don't? No? Sorry, Afton. Is that really? There's no grace in school? Man, this is rough at Central these days in Wall. Um, Grace, in some instances, is seen as a period where we'll just, it's kind of, we'll give you some leeway. 
Um, grace is also something we've typically thought is a newer concept introduced in the New Testament. But I am going to say that grace is and always has been one of the underlying themes in the story of God. And today, what I'd like to do is take a few moments to talk about grace. So our, de- our working definition today, it's going to be a very short and simple definition for grace. And here it is. Unearned favor. You see other definitions, unmerited favor, unmerited attention, but we're just going to use unearned favor. Uh, favor is positive attention. Favor is being seen for your strengths, for your gifts, could be seen as special treatment. But at the most basic of levels, favor is simply positive attention. Positive attention that we did not deserve, did not qualify for. Positive attention we didn't deserve, didn't qualify for is grace. And to give someone else this type of attention, to give it to someone who's absolutely done nothing to earn it, that is to be gracious. So the kids come into our VBS, they did not earn, they will not, (laughs) some of them will not do anything to earn the positive attention they will receive, but they're going to get it. That's what it means to be gracious to our children. Whenever I began working in the church world, uh, I began working at Southeast Church of Christ there in, in Houston almost 20 years ago. I had no intention of making ministry my career. No intention, not one, not one. I, I had other aspirations. Now, I started working there part-time, kind of helping them with their website and with some other things, and, and I did my very best for them. Um, my methods were a little unconventional. You know, people didn't know really what they were going to think about it. But for some reason, I had people pulling for me. I had people encouraging me. They would consistently support me and encourage me and tell me that I could do more. I could be more. I would thank them, you know, as I continued to seek out my fortune in other areas. I had other little part-time jobs trying to figure out what I was going to do with the rest of my life. Jobs on the side, but I'd still work there. For the next 15 years in that church, I would transition from position to position. I'd be making mistakes. I was given space to be the person that I was. It wasn't easy because I wasn't really sure why I was there. I thought it was just a temporary place to be while I figured out what I was going to do with the rest of my life. Why God hadn't given me the job that I really wanted. And there were moments that I wanted to be there, and man, a lot of moments I didn't. Moments were wonderful and moments that were painful. Moments I was pleasant. Moments I wasn't. But... Throughout that time, I had people consistently loving me, showing me undeserved favor. They would teach me how to see other people. They would mentor me. They would study Scripture with me. That church for me was a definition of grace for my family. For me, we did nothing to deserve any of it. I mean, 
we're not, <laughs> we did nothing to deserve it. But God had a plan for us. And because of a few people's grace, consistent, ongoing grace to me and my family, we get to be here with you. And now we get to show you grace. And you get to show grace to us too. Because we don't deserve to be loved like this by a church family. We don't, but we are. And, and I tell you, we love you for this. It's amazing to see what God does through His people It's amazing to see how far he takes people with just grace, consistent, undeserved, unearned favor. Grace is powerful. Powerful. It changed the course of my life. God is gracious. And we see this very clearly throughout the Old Testament. When he decided to make this covenant with Abraham, God, he absolutely knew all of the people that were going to follow Abraham. Okay, one would think that God would uh, maybe have looked down the line a little bit and saw Esau and Jacob and those ten awful brothers of Joseph, those wishy-washy people, you know, from Egypt and, and then in Israel and then in Israel and Judah, you know, th- those Israels, th- those king of Israel, you know, don't even get me started on those people and how awful they were. Now, this family tree does have several high points. A few bright spots, but as a whole, the bad apples far outnumber the good ones. And they weren't just kind of bad, okay? They were people who were, we're we're talking lying, cheating, stealing, manipulating, games of thrones, Thanos, Godfather, kill your own mother, brother, son, to get ahead before you get killed type of bad. Did you recognize any of those things in there? We're talking bad people. And not only were they bad, a lot of them weren't even likable. But when he makes his covenant with Abraham, he did so knowing knowing the family line that was going to follow. And those people who followed, none of them, not even the good ones, deserved the kind of favor God would show them. None of them. And remember... It was God who chose Israel. It wasn't the other way around. Abraham wasn't looking in a catalog of God saying, which one am I going to choose? God chose him and all of his descendants. In fact, he said, I'm going to give you so many descendants, it's going to look like the stars in heaven. It's going to outnumber them, in fact. God chose Israel. He made the promise. He showed favor to his people. You know, their protection, it turned into captivity. These immigrants of Egypt cried out to God. God heard them. These immigrants were treated poorly. And God heard their cry. And the exodus happened. The exodus is grace on a massive scale. And the Exodus would lead these people to the mountain of Sinai where God would describe Himself to Moses in that verse we just read and He would give His people the ten words, the ten commandments that would serve to identify them as the people of God. And these commandments were good. They were good. But there's something we need to remember here. Exodus came before Sinai. 
before the Ten Commandments. God didn't say, okay, here are the Ten Commandments. Do them so that you can become my children. No, this was not a pay-as-you-go plan. Grace came first. And because now Israel knows its identity, it knows the the extent that God's going to love them, even though they're a little bit difficult to love, now they knew they had a future and a hope, and these commandments were, they were what she would want to do, because now she's a part of the people of God. They weren't commandments she had to do to become the people of God, they were commandments that she got to do now to show everyone else, hey, I belong to God. This is what I do. God's love comes before our obedience. God's love and grace came first. Exodus came before Sinai. You know, obedience is really what happens when you realize that you are the people of a God who is crazy in love with you. I mean, after all, really, if you think about the whole story of Israel, the whole story of God throughout all of time, it's really more about the crazy, illogical love of God for His people. It's more about that than it is about the people's obedience. It's more about this crazy love of a father for his children than it is how well those children are going to do what He says. And it's still exactly the same concept. Jesus came because he loved the whole world. Not just some of it, not just part of it, but all of it. And there's story after story after story in Scripture. In the New Testament, you see Jesus showing favor to people who didn't deserve it. He's walking into the messiness of people's lives, of humanity. He spent time with the blind, with the poor, the outcast. He died alongside a convict. He saved him, gave him grace, and he also spent time with wealthy insiders and religious theologians who were super, super smart. He showed grace to those who wanted to see him and spend time with him he showed grace to the ones who eventually would kill him was any of this attention deserved of course not in fact one of his closest friends peter (laughs) would go on and deny him and yet he too would receive the grace of god you remember pentecost that moment when when God gives His gift of the Holy Spirit to His disciples, His apostles, and those apostles start giving it and showing it to the world. These people that they were showing this, this, this gift to were the people who had just killed His Son. And He shares a Spirit with them. Talk about undeserved favor. An undeserved gift. Calvary. That's something we need to remember is that just as Exodus came before Sinai, Calvary came before Pentecost. Jesus died first. He didn't say, hey, I'll give you this gift if you do exactly what I'm telling you to do. Exactly. He's offering grace to you first. Each time, God makes the very first move. He showed love. He showed crazy love and favor to people so that they would know just how loved and special and unique they really were. Just as uh, how loved and unique God had made them. Just as they didn't deserve it, neither do we even still. He even showed grace to a religious terrorist named Saul. 
who would hurt and even work to kill the people of God. And God would save Saul from a very disastrous life, a life of difficult and dangerous choices. But through grace, through grace, he would go on to live and die for the very Son of God he once persecuted. The Son of God who would give him unearned favor and a mission even to reach the world. This is what he says in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, this is what it says. I'm going to read it. Starting in verse 4. It says this, But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Did you see that? Did you read that? Just as Exodus came before Sinai, just as Calvary came before that that moment of Pentecost, grace comes before faith. The salvation we have is not based on what we can do, what, what what we're qualified. You know, football, Tony Romo said this one thing in an interview. He's and he this is whenever he retired. He says, you know, football is a meritocracy. You have to earn it. And I, that stuck with me because I'm thinking, what, how, how difficult is that every week to have to earn your place? I mean, this is life, right? And God comes and He says, I have a gift for you. And there's nothing you can do at all to earn it. Unearned favor. Our faith really comes when we experience and realize just exactly how powerful this gift and grace of God really is. Because think about it, we know what we've done in our life, don't we? We know the messes we made, the messes we continue to make. And compared to Jesus, do you think that there's anything we could do to even, even, to, to even out the scales or to make up for the bad that we've done? No, there's nothing we can do. Only God can do that. In fact, only God did that through Jesus Christ. God is gracious, and no matter who we are or how messy our life is, He's willing to show us that grace, that unearned favor. And He's gracious. He still is gracious. He wants the world to know it. But my question today as I've been going through this material is how does He plan to show this grace to the world today? Is it, is it purely through the concepts of Scripture, um, the concepts of forgiveness alone? What if God's plan to show grace to the world rested with you? I mean, yes, He shows His incomparable riches of His grace through Jesus. That's, that's exactly right. But still, for many, think about it. Jesus is still a kind of a concept. Kind of a, a, for some, Jesus is a mythical figure. Historical. Some people even just quibble if He was even real or not. What I want to remind you of today 
and myself as well as something very simple. Jesus is real. And you are the body of Christ in the world. The grace God wants to show through the world, He is going to do it through you. Which shouldn't be that difficult, right? Because we know people who have seen our mess. We know people who have loved us anyway. People have seen our sin and they've loved us and accepted us anyway. You know, Paul nailed it whenever he said in that, in that passage that while we were dead, God made us royalty. How could we show that kind of favor to one another? Now, it's, I, I know it's easier to show grace to those people we like, but what about those people who kind of give us the creeps? Bob Goff is a, uh, a guy who wrote this, this great book, and he has this whole talk where he says, those people who, they kind of creep me out. <laughs> what do you do with those people who creep you out? And that stuck with me. What about those people who kind of give you the creeps? <laughs> what, maybe it's because of the way they look or the way they act or the way they, they believe. How do you think those people are going to experience the grace of God? They're going to experience through Jesus Christ, yes, but they're going to experience through the body of Christ, which is Jesus Christ in the world, and that's us. That's how people are going to experience grace, through us, the body of Christ. It's you. Now, trust me, I, I know how hard this is because I've been around some people who do not deserve good attention. They don't deserve my attention. They don't deserve my attention, good or bad. You know, I've been around some people that have creeped me out in big ways, and I know what that's like. I've probably creeped some people out myself. I, I know what it's like to be around people who creep me out. Nobody from here, though. <laughs> you guys are great. <laughs> I mean, I know that there are some people out there who've done absolutely nothing to earn our favor, but could we still show it to them? Could we show them grace? I mean, what does this look like? Maybe we show them preference. Maybe we give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe instead of tearing them down, we lift them up. Maybe instead of griping at them because they don't get our order right we bless them instead maybe if they intentionally rob us we give them our coat also man what would it look like to show people just how valuable they are in the eyes and the mind of god how unique and special has god created all of us i mean trust me i know this is difficult because graciousness, it draws us into, into relationship. We have to get close to people whenever we're gracious to them. And I know that's scary because the thought of having to be in the relationship, you know, that kind of relationship with some people, it seems too big a burden to bear, doesn't it? Or is that just me? I mean, think of somebody in your world right now who has not done anything to deserve your positive attention or anyone else's for that matter how could you show them the grace of god i guess the reality is that 
being gracious to some of these people, it really may not matter one bit to them. But then again, the grace you show somebody might shine brighter than the light that knocked Paul off his high horse. Talk about the grace of God as a blinding light. In the messy parts of your life, what would have happened if God had pointed out every reason He shouldn't love you? What if He had shown judgment instead of compassion? What if He had demanded obedience first before He was going to show you grace? What would we have then? Would we, we, we would have no shot. We'd have no chance. Life would just forever be right out of reach. But instead, God has given us a gift that we didn't deserve. He has offered us life that we didn't earn. So what do we do with that? How can we show the world mercy so that they can see God? I would say let's just start with those people that are in our sphere of influence. The ones you like, the ones you don't. How about this? How about lift them up? Encourage them. Maybe, uh, this is hard for me, maybe put the sarcasm aside for a little bit. Instead, speak life into them. Find the things that are beautiful and encourage that. Talk to them about how God sees them instead of reminding them how you see them. Don't respond to their evil. Instead, respond to their evil with good. Even the ones who, who try to curse you and try to, to, to steal and mess you over, bless them instead. Don't respond in kind. I mean, we know people's lives are messy. I mean, just look in the mirror. And if people are kind of like us, they're probably just the same level of messy or, or less. People are messy. Choose to love them anyway. Choose to see the positive and the encouraging Encourage them in, in the fact that they are unique and loved by God. Love, don't reject. Include, don't exclude. Don't reject or expel or shun or punish because their life is messy and because they don't have it all together. Choose to love and to offer them a free gift of your attention like God offered you the free gift of His attention. I know it's going to be hard. So start with one person, one person, whether they're at school, whether they're at work, whether they're, uh, who knows, one person, allow God to show and shine through you and he will. So as we stand and sing in just a moment, I'm going to pray that God will bring people to your mind that need to see the grace of God through you. Let's stand together, Brian, and let's sing. Glorify thy name.